Welcome to the Cary Church Podcast. For more information regarding Cary Church, visit www.cary.asn.au. Last week saw the beginning of the series on the book of Joel. And you may remember it was a whole message of disaster. Disaster that seemed to be complete with regard to the land. And in response to that, the people were told, rend your heart, not your garments. Blow the trumpet in Zion, gather the people. Consecrate the assembly. Let the priests who minister weep. Let them say, spare your people, Lord. Don't make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the prophets, where is their God? And our reading this morning from Joel chapter 2, starting from verse 18, gives to us the Lord's response. Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I'm sending you grain, new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea, and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea, and its stench will go up, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locusts sworn, my great army that I sent among you. You will have plenty to eat until you are full and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. Good morning. Yes, I'm here. Good morning. Good to be with you. Uh, Peter Scott, if I haven't met you, and I serve as senior pastor here. Um, Thank you, John, very much for that reading. In America, every year, there's something called March Madness. March Madness. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, It's a, uh, a time when tens of millions 
of Americans participate in, uh, in something, a competition. And uh, March Madness is a time when this contest is about the future. The future, that is, of the National College Basketball Championships. 68 teams from around the country are selected and they compete in this thing throughout, the, the, uh, throughout March. It is a knockout tournament. So if you, you win, you keep going. And the tens of millions of Americans all fill in what's called a bracket. And a bracket is, is kind of a big sheet of paper where you've got to decide who's going to win each game of all of these games right up until the winner of the competition. There are 63 games in all. And every year in America, throughout March, the television, the internet, all of these channels present who still has a bracket that's perfect. Who's predicted everything so far that's right? And the question that the whole country is asking is this, is there a basketball prophet amongst us? One to whom the whole truth of this year's competition has been revealed. We're in a series on Joel, welcome back. And we're exploring together this book by the prophet Joel. And I hope that this week you have spent time reading that book. Last week we had a challenge, let's read the book. So I hope you've had a chance to do that. There's another challenge that we had last week, something I want to encourage us into And that is to be a a people who engages with what God is saying on a Sunday morning. And so I want to encourage us to be in the habit of taking notes. Whether that's a a book that you've got where you're writing and scribbling notes, whether it's on your phone. But I want to encourage you, rather than being a group of people that just consumes almost like we're watching TV, let's be expectant that we come along on a Sunday. And whoever's speaking, it's not about them or what they're saying, but it's about what God is saying to us through whoever is speaking. So I want to encourage you to get into that habit. I'm going to plug this for a number of weeks to try and get us into that habit that we're actually able to take notes as God speaks to us on a Sunday. I also want to refer to one other thing from last week. Now, if you were here last week, one of the things we did was find the book of Joel because Joel is not a very well-known book in the Bible. And I put up a slide that looked a little bit like this one, uh, which had a list of, or not this, this one, that had a list of all the books of the Bible. And the one I put up last week, the order was different. And I saw a few quizzical looks and I got to the end of the service and someone said, Did, that didn't make a lot of sense. So here's the one that makes sense. This list is in the order of what you will have in the contents page of your Bible, or if you've got a phone, you, you're working through it. And what I said briefly last week was that the first five books are called the books of Moses. Then from uh, Joshua through to, uh, let's see, to Nehemiah, no, to Esther, are historical books. They're talking about the history of the people of Israel. Uh, then if you walk through Job to Song of Solomon, they're called wisdom literature, like Proverbs. They give us some wisdom and insight. From Isaiah to Daniel are the major prophets. And then Hosea through to the end are the minor prophets. And that's where we find Joel, one of the 12 minor prophets towards the end. So I hope that now makes sense. And for all those who are very confused, my apologies for the confusion. At a point where I was trying to bring clarity. We went through last week an overview of the book of Joel. So let me briefly recap to get us back in that frame of mind and if you weren't here to catch you up. So in Joel, there are just three chapters and it goes through three times 
a bit of the same cycle. And, and the cycle is that there is destruction and desolation either being or coming. And that destruction or desolation arrives as a result of sin and, and people turning away from God. But at the same time, it's intertwined with this idea of God's graciousness for his people, his compassion, his, his slowness to anger. It's combined with a call to repentance for his people and then ultimately a restoration, a restoration of great things and of how God designed things to be for his people. So that's a pattern that repeats three times in Joel. Today's focus is on the idea that Joel is a prophet. Joel is a prophet. He's one of the minor prophets. We said last week, minor just means he wrote less than some of the major prophets. But I thought, well, as we think about this idea of a prophet, who are our prophets today? Who are some of today's prophets? And I've got a few photos to see if you can think about some of today's prophets. So if we could have the first photo up, anyone remember this guy? I'll give you his, his full name and then the name you might actually remember. Muhammad Sayyid al-Sahaf. He was also known as Baghdad Bob or Comical Ali. He was the spokesperson for Iraq and the Iraqi regime during the Gulf War. Very, he, he was quite famous at the time. Um, what about the next one? Next prophet. Now, yes, yeah, it is a little old. It's, a, it's an old series called The West Wing. And that lady's name is C.J. Craig in the, in the uh, TV show. Uh, Alison Janey is her real name. She was, in the show, the spokesperson for the US president. Fascinating piece of trivia. In real life, she also was the spokesperson for the president. They actually got her in at one point to do a proper press announcement. And that leads us on to the next person, who is Sarah... Huckabee Sanders. She is the present, although as I was writing this, uh, she announced her resignation. She is the present, until the end of this month, spokesperson for the US president. And let's have a third prophet, uh, fourth prophet. You might be more familiar with this guy. West Australian, the Honourable Kim Beasley. Now, he was Australia's ambassador to the United States for a period. So why are these people prophets? What, what am I talking about when I say that they're prophets? Well, here's the thing. All of those people spoke on behalf and with authority of their leader. They were people that were speaking to the world on behalf of their leader with full authority. So obviously, we, we don't really have an equivalent of a press secretary in Australia, but those two ladies would speak on behalf of the US president. Kim Beasley, as an ambassador, is speaking with the authority of the Prime Minister uh, on behalf of the country. And actually, we find that that's what a prophet is. Uh, in biblical times, it's the same. From Moses through Samuel to Isaiah to Joel, the prophets are people who are speaking on behalf of God. They're revealing something and telling something to the people or to kings that God has said, this is what I want people to hear. And my first question when I think, okay, well, that's what a prophet does is, how did they know what to say? How did they know what to say, these biblical prophets? And, and here's what I think, that there are different mechanisms that God spoke through. So the first one, if you think about Moses, Moses had direct conversations with God. There was the burning bush, for example. God spoke directly. Uh, there were other prophets, let's say Daniel. Daniel had lots of dreams, 
And so God spoke to some of the prophets through amazing dreams. Joel, I would argue, and that's what we're going to look at a whole lot this morning, God revealed things to his prophet Joel through Scripture. Through his word, he revealed things to Joel. Now, what do I mean by that? And let's take a deeper look at this. We're going to look at a number of things that are in the book of Joel where we can actually see that Scripture written before Joel's time informed Joel and Joel's thinking. And that's part of the way that God spoke to him. And the first example I'm going to use is the locust. Uh, Now, if you know anything about the book of Joel, if you were here last week, locust is a big factor in the book of Joel. It starts off with this massive locust plague. And I thought, just as we're talking about locusts, I'd have a picture of a locust up there. Do you know whose hand that is? That's my hand. And that's a really big bug. That was in my backyard, again, while we were writing this. Now, I'm not exactly sure whether it's a grasshopper or a locust, because here's the thing. Um, apparently, the idea of a locust is that it has gregarious behaviour. When lots of them get together, they just do things en masse. When they're separate, or grasshoppers, when they're separate, they just sort of hop around and eat little things. But anyway, this was in my backyard, and I feel like, okay, that's a pretty good picture of a, of a locust. So let's have that in our mind. And when you think about a locust, what's the first thing? When's the first time in the Bible that locusts are mentioned? Can you remember? If, if you know your Bible a little bit, you might have heard. In the Exodus, you remember, one of the plagues that was brought on Pharaoh was locusts. Let, let me read a little bit out of Exodus 10. Moses says to Pharaoh, Moses said, The Lord says, if you don't obey me and let my people go, I'm going to bring a plague of locusts. Hmm, okay. Now you probably... Probably got that one. How about this? There's also a reference in Deuteronomy. In chapter 28, God is talking to his people as they're coming into the promised land. And he is, he's talking to them about the great promises and blessings that he's bringing. And he's also, there's also a warning that says, you know, if you turn away from me, some, some bad things are going to happen. And here's one of the things that is said. So in verse 42 of chapter 28 in Deuteronomy, Moses says, that one of the consequences, if we as a people turn away from God, is, and now I quote, swarms of locusts will take over all your trees and the crops of your land. So that's something that's written in the scripture well before Joel. That Moses says, if you turn away from me, swarms of locusts will take over all your trees and crops of your land. What about in Psalms? Then we look into Psalms. It's talking about the Israelites who kept on sinning in spite of all God's wonders. And it says this, Psalm 78, 46. He, that's God, gave their crops to the grasshopper and their produce to the locust. We see several places in Scripture where God has worked in this idea. I just want to let you know, if you turn away from me, one consequence might be that there's a plague of locusts coming. And Joel says, that's what's just happened, people. Let's look at another idea. Another idea where Joel has seen something in Scripture and we see that then in Joel. And it's the idea we read it this morning of the enemy of the north. The enemy from the north. I think it was the northern horde in the translation that John read this morning. And what we see before Joel, the prophet Jeremiah wrote this. God was saying to the people in Jeremiah 4.6, I will bring disaster from the north and great destruction. And again in chapter 6, 
for disaster looms out of the north. Now, many scholars read that part in Jeremiah and they say, well, that was clearly the Assyrians and the Babylonians coming to sweep through Israel. And that may be also what Joel's referring to, but here's the point. There's something written in Scripture that Joel's seen and now God's revealing to him that's coming. Let's look at number three example. The concept of the day of the Lord. Now, the day of the Lord is something we're going to go into in much more detail in a couple of weeks. But have a listen to this. Did Joel introduce the idea of the day of the Lord? Well, in Zephaniah, it says, for the day of the Lord is near. In Isaiah chapter 13, wail for the day of the Lord is near as destruction from the Almighty, it will come. There are similar references in Ezekiel, Obadiah and Malachi that the day of the Lord is coming. Joel was not the first one to write this. It's through scripture as Joel is writing. And the final example I'll give of these things that are already in scripture that are informing Joel as a prophet is this, God's character. So when Joel's reading the account of the Exodus, here's what he sees. He sees that God is rescuing his people out of captivity. God's rescuing a people that are struggling. In Psalms, Joel reads that God is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger. And he puts these things together and understands God's revealing his character in the scripture. So what's my conclusion here? Where am I going with all of this? I think that Joel knew scripture well enough that he could read his circumstances through it. Let me say that again. Joel knew scripture well enough that he was able to read circumstance through it. In Joel, there are references to the following books of scripture that were probably written before Joel. Exodus, Deuteronomy, Zephaniah, Malachi, Amos, Obadiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Nahum and Ezekiel. This is a man who was informed by what he knew God had already revealed in scripture. And so it begs the question, is what Joel talked about, so let's say the locust plague in Joel, was that something that was a prediction and an outcome? Or was it prophecy which was fulfilled? Are they the same thing? And I want to suggest this morning that biblical prophecy is not the same as a prediction. Predicting the outcome of March Madness, predicting the outcome of all of these things where there is one outcome is not the same as prophecy. So what is prophecy? Well, prophecy is indeed about finding a link. It's, it's God writing something that's happened and then you see a link to it and you say, oh, I understand. Now I understand what's going on in my life because I know what was prophesied, what was written by God that was about to come. Let me use another word, because this word really helped me. Prophecy is kind of like God's syllabus. You familiar with that word, with the syllabus? Now, if you've ever studied, or maybe you're studying at the moment, maybe you've got kids that are studying, um, at the start of a semester or a term, a syllabus gets handed out, right? And the syllabus says from the professor or the teacher, this is what we're going to study this term. And and they line it all out for you. And, And so... If you're the uh, math student and and in week five, the calculus test arrives, it's unlikely that you go, oh my goodness, this is amazing. The professor predicted there'd be a calculus test and it's happened. Incredible. No, no, no. You go, oh, 
calculus test, oh, I vaguely remember. I think that was in the syllabus. You see, you're able to see what's going on because the syllabus has been written beforehand about what's coming. And I think that's a good way of thinking about biblical prophecy, that God's actually outlined things that were to come. And what we look for as we live life and what the prophets were looking for as they knew Scripture was, ah, I see God outlined that here and now that's what's happening. And the fantastic thing about the book of Joel, as I've studied it, is that it's not just a, a, a result of what God's already put in his syllabus, but Joel goes beyond that and he creates, starts to put syllabus for what's coming. And what's really cool is we get to see that because we see in the New Testament, people have read the syllabus that was in Joel. Let me give you a couple of examples. There's one in Acts and one in Romans. And we talked about on Pentecost Sunday uh, this piece, but let me, let me walk you through it again. So we're in uh, the time when Jesus, 50 days ago, it's called Pentecost, 50 days ago, Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, 10 days ago, Jesus ascended into heaven. And now a group of disciples are sitting in a room and suddenly this amazing thing happens. The Holy Spirit comes on them. And the Bible tells us there are, there are, uh, uh, fire is visible. And they start speaking in languages that a gathered group of people know they don't speak, but they're still hearing it in their own language. It's this incredible event. And as this is unfolding, Peter gets up and he starts to talk to the group of people who, who the Bible sort of indicates. They're saying, are these guys drunk? Peter says, no, we're not drunk. It's too early in the morning. And then what does he say? He starts to quote Joel. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 29. And here's what's happening. Peter knows his scripture well enough. He knows the syllabus God's outlined that he now recognises, I know what's just happening. This, this was the syllabus outlined in Joel. And it's that piece that says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's the piece that Peter quotes to the people because he's read the syllabus. He knows that's coming. Paul does something similar. In Romans chapter 10, Paul is talking about the idea of salvation by faith. And he's talking about this, at that time, very controversial view that this salvation was not just for the Jews, it was for the Gentiles too. And as Paul thinks about trying to articulate this, he draws on the syllabus of hundreds of years ago in Joel that God had already written out. And here is the verse that Paul uses. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, he says, who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How do I know that? Well, God wrote it hundreds of years ago. His prophet Joel wrote that. And so we see Peter and Paul doing just what Joel has done. So what do we take out of this idea? What do we take out of this idea that Joel was a spokesperson who understood what was written in Scripture? He was immersed enough in it to be able to read his circumstance through it. And then, in fact, then he went beyond and as the Holy Spirit revealed things to him, he started to write some of the syllabus that was coming that we have seen in the New Testament is happening. Well, the first thing is to note that in Joel, there is stuff that hasn't yet necessarily been fully complete. The day of the Lord. And again, in a couple of weeks, we'll talk more about that. But important for us to note, one day 
the day of the Lord. And we've got a syllabus written out for us in terms of what is coming. But today what I'd suggest is the first takeaway we should have is to immerse ourselves in Scripture. To immerse ourselves in Scripture so that we can fully understand or as best as possible understand what is coming and what is happening in our circumstance. Jesus actually had a comment on this. In Luke chapter 12, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus was surprised when the crowd couldn't read the times. Do you know this story? In, in uh, verse 54, he says to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately say, it's going to rain. And it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot. And it is. Hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it you don't know how to interpret the present time? Now, why would Jesus expect that people should be able to interpret the present time? Because they had the scripture. Now, I don't for a minute suggest to you that we should all feel terribly guilty because we can't understand what's coming because we have the scripture. You know what? The Pharisees, they had the scripture. The Pharisees were actually deeply learned in the scriptures. So there are a number of things that are required. We have the wonderful advantage of the Holy Spirit who opens the eyes of our heart that we might see and understand more of the Scriptures. But it's also about how we read them and our heart attitude to them. But the point I think that Jesus is referring to here that we see in Joel is that being immersed in Scripture will give us a great ability to understand what is going on in our times and to see our circumstances. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, but I'm not a prophet. I'm not called to speak to the nations. That's fine. We're actually called to speak into each other's lives. We're called to understand so that we can love each other and speak into each other's lives. You know, we, we had a guest uh, this weekend, um, lovely guy. And one of the things that I realised as we sat and talked as a little family was that he actually sowed into our family in just a few hours a couple of really fantastic thoughts that were out of Scripture, that were so encouraging for us. You know, have you ever met somebody like that or, or had someone visit you like that and they just stay with you for a brief time, they leave a couple of thoughts, they go away and you think, wow, I think God actually spoke to us through that person. And this person was a busy person. This person, if I was that person, I would have just wanted to crash and rest and, and I wouldn't have been sowing to anybody. I just would have been too tired given their travel schedule. But they could see in the circumstances of our family, if I just sow this seed here, something's going to change. And I think that's what we're called to do. And we can do that better when we know the scripture because we have confidence in what God is doing and we can start to read the circumstance. Another thought for you is this. We are about to have one of our partners meetings. Now, the way that our church and Baptist churches are governed is that at our, at our partners' meetings, we have votes. Now, those votes are not democratic votes. They're not a sense of, well, the majority takes it. What we're actually doing is we're saying we believe God speaks into and through each partner as we make significant decisions. So at the annual general meeting this morning, this afternoon, at other partners' meetings, what we see is we pray, God, here's a big decision. Please 
reveal to our hearts. And as we vote and share, we're actually looking to discern God's will. How do we do that best? We'll do that best if we understand through Scripture what God's big picture is. If God is working in our hearts through Scripture and through the Holy Spirit to reveal His will. So there are a number of reasons why it's really important for us to be immersed in Scripture so that we might see what God's syllabus is and read our circumstances. Okay, well, what about some tools for doing that? What are some tools for doing that? I've got a couple of thoughts up on the screen here. Many of you will be familiar with these. But, you know, just because we're familiar with them, it doesn't mean we always use them. And it doesn't mean it's not good to be reminded. So the first one is there are lots of apps. If you like apps, there are lots of things that can help you with uh, a plan to read your Bible. There are devotionals on those apps that you can use. Uh, For somebody who likes to go a little deeper, there are things called commentaries. Commentaries are often written about a single book in the Bible. They'll go through verse by verse and they can unpack just a whole lot more depth for you to understand what God is saying in a particular book or passage. Um, If you are taking notes, one of the ones that I think is really useful is called the NIV Application Commentary Series. The NIV Application Commentary Series, because it's not super theoretical. It's actually got some really good practical stuff for how do we live this today? And my last point up there, as I was thinking and praying about this message, this is perhaps one of the most important points. Because I realise that often, and look at those first bunch of tools that I've suggested, often I think about Bible study that it's just me and just me looking at the Bible. And that's what I need to do. I need to find time to just read the Bible and learn. But I think it is more than that. I think it is really important that we communicate with each other, that we discuss the Bible. And that's a way of learning. For example... A little challenge for us today. When we grab morning tea before we go over to Forestdale, see if you can ask somebody something about the Bible. A Bible passage, something in Joel, a question, an observation. Let's become a people that actually discusses God's Word and thereby is learning it. Maybe you disagree with something I've said. That's excellent. Talk about that in the context of the Bible. But let's be a group of people that wants to discuss these passages and say, what did you see in that? I had a a, a conversation just this morning with John. And John said, I'm going to read this passage. I've read it before because I'm going to read it out. And here's what I think. And we had this little discussion. It was fantastic. And he shared something with me that, that I hadn't thought about before. So let's be a people that does that and thereby learns more and more. All right, my last point. We have access to God's syllabus. It's the outline of his master plan. And here's the so what on that. There will be a day of the Lord one day. Joel's revealed that the day of the Lord is coming. Joel's revealed that there will be restoration for God's people. Joel's revealed that God's character. In fact, the whole Bible, of course, reveals that God's character is one that's full of love, that he's slow to anger, that he's gracious and compassionate. And so in this three-chapter blueprint, we, we see God's story unfolding. And that can change our lives if we understand that all of our circumstances are not new and surprising for God. Everything that we experience is part of God's big syllabus that is actually going to unfold in just the way that he said it has. Joel saw 
Hundreds of years before him, God had outlined the syllabus and he said, look, I can see how that's here. Joel outlined a syllabus and hundreds of years later in the New Testament, the disciples were saying, ah, we see what's happening. We have the whole Bible in front of us and we have the whole plan revealed. That Jesus has come to offer you and I hope. That Jesus has come that we might be restored here and now and in the future. So I want to end this morning on that note of this great hope that as we understand that the prophet Joel was someone who revealed what God had asked him to, a spokesman on behalf of God. And that is some of the things in Joel have already been fulfilled. Some we've seen fulfilled after Joel. Some are coming. We can just trust in God with the amazing hope that he's offered us in any circumstance that we are in. So I hope you're enjoying this book of Joel. I want to encourage you again to read it. If you read it last week, read it again. See what else jumps out. Let's talk about it together. We've got two more weeks in Joel. Let's see what else God is revealing to us as a people. Would you pray with me? Holy Father, thank you. Thank you that you are sovereign over all things. Thank you for the revelation that you've made, your syllabus that we see in your word. Father, as we get deeper into this book of Joel, we just see the, the depth of your plan, the redemption, the hope that you have planned. Thank you for the pouring out of your spirit that came at Pentecost and that through the spirit we can have the eyes of our hearts open that we might see your word better. Help us to have an appetite to do that, to want to learn your word that whatever circumstance we're in, we would know that you have a plan, that whatever circumstance we're in, we know that you are working and that we understand that you have a big syllabus, a big story that is playing out. Give us a deeper desire for you and your love. Thank you for your presence this morning. Lord Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.